Before we start today's podcast, who do we have to help us kick it off? Hey, Miguel and Holly, how are you doing? Oh, Jacob! Yes! How are you? I am doing good. I am doing good. Now, I have a question for you guys. I tried to get in there for you guys' headphone karaoke so you could sing for me. How does that happen? How do I have to get in there in time, or do I have to call on time, or what time should I start calling you guys? Because I do know that you guys started at 825, so I don't want to be late, you know? So that's why I try and get my exercise in early and do what I have to do and start calling you guys early, you know? So what do I have to do in order to get in there? You know what? There is nothing you can't do. You just try. It's kind of the, it's just, it's a matter of luck, honestly. Mm -hmm. Just like any other fan member that's trying to call in to let us play for them. It's just when we say call in now, because you we usually do, um, you call in right then. And right. It, through the luck of the draw, you'll get in, and hopefully uh, you'll make it through this week. But you know what we can do for you right now, Jacob? We can do a little headphone karaoke singing for you now. You ready, Holly? I got oh. a song for you. Okay, go. Here we go. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How your mama them doing? How your mama them doing? When you're going home and you trying to get some chicken and you wasn't get collard greens. You want to see your mama? You want to hug her? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? How's that, Jacob? That was pretty good. That was pretty good. I was you guys in as the winners. You know that? I love it. Now, Jacob, tell everybody what podcast they're listening to. They're listening to the Sweet Holly O'Connor podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I had to get you, Miguel. That's all right. I'm just going to dig a hole for myself. That's oh, all. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> How Miguel, you doing? Unscripted. Unshackled. Uncouth. What you're about to hear is for mature ears only. It's Miguel Fuller. I would show anything. I'd show my hee hee and my hoo hoo oh. and my ha ha. <laughs> Holly O'Connor. Hey, Daddy, you want to take this to the bedroom? <laughs> and Scotty the Body. I am officially not only the grill daddy, but I'm a hot grill daddy. Oh, wow. It's the Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast. Only from Hot 101.5, Tampa Bay's new hip music. Hey. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Uh, so if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, Miguel and Holly, you missed the actual audio beginning of this where we talked to Jacob two times. And Holly and I got to sing one of our behind-the-scenes favorite songs that we came up with years ago. Yeah. Do you remember how we came up with that, Holly? Yes, vaguely, because... Hold on. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm digging out a memory. She's like, hold on. Let me search through the file cabinet. When we first met Miguel... Back in aught seven. No, it's 2008. No, aught eight. Yeah. Spring of 2008. Yeah. Good year. Yeah. Uh, good year. Yeah. Scott was in middle school. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so Miguel and I met, and one of the things that came from that first meeting where it was like a radio conference, and Miguel was friends with Steve Kramer, who we've had on this podcast before, because mm-hmm. you guys went to college together. Steven Kramer told me that uh, he was, like, good friends with Miguel, and Miguel was going to just pretend to be part of our show so he could come to the radio morning show, like, conference. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I don't know this guy, but whatever. I'm in on meeting new people. So we met, and for some reason, that movie... With Eddie Murphy, where he's pretending to be a woman. The Nutty Professor? No, no, not the Nutty Professor. Not Big Mama's House? Was it Martin Lawrence? Big Mama. Big, Mar- oh Big Mama's House, is that Martin Lawrence? Not Eddie Murphy. Yeah, Eddie Martin was- Lawrence okay. did Big Mama's House. Okay, yeah. you're right. It was Martin Lawrence, mm-hmm. and I believe that that was where How You Dern came yeah. from. How You Dern? Was it that? That's what I it think. was. How You Dern? How You Dern? How You Dern? So Miguel <laughs> said it like that. Say it again. How You Dern? And I thought it was really funny. Holly, I remember, like, every time. This is why Holly and I became fast friends is because, like, we would laugh at each other stuff that no one else thought was funny. No, we thought we were hilarious. I'd be like, how you doing? He'd be like, how you doing? And I would be like, do it again. (laughs) Like, okay, so that's literally the first, quote, inside joke that we ever had. And Kramer was like, y'all, can you not? And I'm like, no, just one more time, though. How you doing? How you (laughs) doing? So then it it became so much and so obnoxious that we all just started saying, how you darn? 
all the time. Yeah. To each other. And so then eventually Kramer got in on it. And, of course, he tried to take it over because <laughs> he's, like, got this weird, I don't know what sort of twitch in his personality where once he gets on a thing, he will drive it into the ground. Oh, yeah. Songs, phrases, mm-hmm. shows, whatever. Mm-hmm. So he would then, then he started getting on how you darn. And then we put in how you darn into everything, mm-hmm. including, by the way, um, what was that one song by One Republic? It was mm. uh, Stop and Stare. Because that oh, came out around that time. And Stare. Yeah. Except we, we went, Ha, you, you darn. Oh my God. <laughs> you have no idea how much How Are You Darn we did oh, in yeah, 08. Yeah. You don't know. How you darn, how you darn, how your so mama darn, darn. We started that. And we started, <laughs> I don't know if it was Kramer or Miguel who at first was like, we how you darn everything and started going, how you darn, how you darn, how you darn, how you darn. How, how you mom and him darn, how you going, how you gonna eat some pancakes and you want some great things, want some sausage, how you darn. So that's how far that joke went. And now we just every now and then we'll pull the song out. You know, it's so funny, like being friends with someone for so long. I just really love Scott's face. How he's just like, what the <laughs> a little confused. Hey, I'm here for it. I'm just chilling. Yeah, Listen, okay. when you've been with someone for so long and it's like you can recall those times yep. from back in the day when things were just so funny and so new and so different. Yeah. It's just like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, I like, like, I remember one of the things that Kramer and I used to do. We, this is like right when I graduated college in 2007, and I was working in Savannah, and he was there for about three months while before he moved to Panama City. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing was when I graduated, is he'd be like, Welcome to the real world, bitch. <laughs> and like, he would say that, <laughs> like, because that was his thing. He would just say it over and over and over again. And so at a radio station, when you go to what's called voice track, so that's when, like, you'll hear we can, like, record ourselves in real time, but we're not actually here. Um, and in the system where it has, like, all the songs that are playing for the day. So I would, like, go into voice track for the weekend and then, like, where it would say, Miguel, talk here. It would say, welcome to the real world, bitch. <laughs> and I was like, really? You're like, oh, you went all the way into next gen recording radio systems and hey, changed it. Like you took that much effort just to go in and be like, welcome to the real world, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So those, oh, those were, were fun times. Early days. How you doing? How you doing? Okay. Mom and I'm doing. Um, all right. I have a review from Apple Podcasts. Oh, okay. Want to say thank you to Ronnie, uh, fifty five thousand. I know. I love people's fifty five thousand. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I just like I my mind lost. My mind lost itself. I thought you were gonna say hundred, and then it said thousand. I know. yeah. What are numbers? I freaked myself out. I'm not great with numbers. Um, so, subject line, my favorite podcast. I've never written a review before, but just wanted to say I found this podcast during quarantine and have enjoyed oh. being a part of the Platypus Posse since. I travel about an hour to and from work every day, and it's so easy listening to Miguel, Holly, and Scotty's conversations in the car. Thank you all for being your authentic selves. Heart. Dang, thank you. Wow. That's really nice. Thank you, Ronnie. Fifty-five thousand. Yes. Make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Is really appreciated. Thank you. What are you laughing at? Scott? I was just thinking. I was like, I want to get a really bad review, but like not literally. Like I don't want it to like bring down the rating of the podcast. But I just want to see like somebody like go in. Like what would they hate about the podcast? Like what just drives them up a wall? I want to read one of those reviews. Are they one of those? Have you ever gotten a negative email before? Me, no. Like from a like a, a listener. A listener? Uh-huh. Uh, no. It'll it will crush your soul. No, I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday where it's like I remember in the beginning I got a little bit of hate when I first came on with y'all because I'm kind of annoying, but you know. <laughs> but at first it kind of affected me because I was like, "What? Not everyone likes me." And then it kind of started to drift where I was like, "Well, I don't think I think if you really get to know me, like you're not going to not like me." And that's not to sound like a cocky bee, but like I don't know. I'm not going to try to annoy you. I'm going to try to win you over. Like, that's just kind of, like, my personality. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm just eh, trying to be just a nice person. So whenever somebody hates, like, hates me or sends me, like, a mean message, I'm like, oh, you just, you, you think, you're thinking of me in a different light than who I actually am mm. is why I think some people hate me or find me annoying. 
Um, it's it's always interesting because people, I what I found through the years and the negative emails. Like I actually have a folder that I this is like I wouldn't add to it now, but just back then that was in my let your haters be your motivators type deal, and I'd be like. Fuck you, I'm going to save this, I'm going to prove you wrong. And so, like, all these emails go back from, like, years ago. Um, But people, what I found, the common thread in hate messaging is you are highlighting something from their life that they find is missing or something that hits too close to home for them. Well, it triggers them in some way. Yeah. Absolutely. It's never really about you. And that's how it is with people that fight with you online, by the right. way. Right. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. It's never about you. They got triggered right. because of something you said, and they are now going to put all their shit that they're dealing with in their mm-hmm. own head on you, you, and yeah. it is your fault. Right. Never once would they ever think that this is something wrong with me. Mm-mm. It is your fault for saying what you said. Shame on you. Right. Oh, absolutely. And so, like, there is just I'm looking through, and it's not even bother reading it because it's like none of the references make sense anymore. Oh yeah. I don't know why you keep from those. so long ago. Like, yeah, I should just negative. delete this folder. You but should. I, I used to keep them. Um, but uh, but like there was this one guy who he, him and his boyfriend, this is from Panama City. They used to like invite me to stuff all the time, and I'd be like, well, I can't make it, can't make it. And then one day they just wrote this like scathing email to our boss and yeah. was like, Miguel is the worst type of gay. Like, don't what? let him on the radio. He's disgusting. And my boss sent it to me and was like, I thought this was funny. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, cool. And I read it and I was like, here's why they're mad. I never hung out with him. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so then I responded back to them and I was like, all right, so you got to understand, like you hear me on the radio and especially way back in the day when I used to like go out all the time and I was like the party guy, the funny guy, like that was me on the show. Yeah. And so everyone expected me to be that way all the time. In real life. In real life. And so I was like, I'm actually kind of a shy person. Like I keep a very close knit group of people that I hang out with. That's not me all the time. So when you really pull back and think about it, you're asking me to come hang out with two people who I don't know. Yeah. And so that makes me very uncomfortable. Like, if I see y'all out and we all, like, get in a group and we're talking, that's cool. But I'm not just randomly coming over to y'all's house to hang out. And then he was like, I'm so sorry. I never thought about it that way. And I was like, I get it. I totally understand, which is why I'm not mad. I just want you to, like, sort of see it from my point of view of what you're asking me to do. Yeah. And so that's why sometimes, most times, that's why I enjoy taking, like, the angry phone calls because I like just sort of taking people and taking them from that anger and walking them through and being like, all right, let me hear you. Let me understand why you're angry and what frustrated you about whatever we said or did and then understand why and then let's make it right. Right. And then usually, like you said, Holly, it's coming from, a place that made them be triggered about something from their past. Yes, oftentimes. And I I would have a really hard time with that in general because I really hate confrontation. It makes me, like, almost sick. Mm. Like, it just, I can't do it. I'm better now about at least figuring out, like, we had a woman call the other day after a segment we did with Scotty um, about, you know, this, should Scotty FaceTime his mm. lady friend? Mm-hmm. And she called up, and she was mad because Miguel and I gave him the wrong advice. And... We were like, okay, let's hear your point. So she had a point. And I'm like, it doesn't really match with what the segment was yeah. going. So I started trying to explain. I was like, I think you misunderstood the segment. And that, and I'm not blaming you or anything. But, you know, what we said was this. Here's the actual situation. She's like, well, I didn't hear all of it. I'm like, cool. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Right. Here's how it kind of wrapped up. And then what she replied with what didn't make no damn sense. And so after she didn't make sense for like a third time, I was like, mm. whoa, whoa, whoa. What's your situation? Uh-huh. Tell me what's going on with you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And once she did that, I was like, It was okay. never even about me. It was never about Scott. Yeah. She literally took our advice and tried to make it make sense for her life and was angry that it didn't. Mm. And of course it didn't because that's a whole different thing. And then she tried to reference blown off and how that has crushed her spirit for dating. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So we ended up having like a little mini therapy session with her yeah. on the phone off the air because I was like, You have to understand, like, yes, we get a lot of people involved in Blown Off, but for the most part, 
we're not actually like, yeah, we give some advice during Blown Off, but Blown Off is mainly for entertainment purposes. Right, right. Like, you're not going to watch, like, a show on a on a TV network to try to get life advice. Right. That is for entertainment. Like, some of our advice segments, we get pretty real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she had missed the point of this completely only because she was hurting so much from her own dating experience. Mm. And so once we figured that out, we were like, okay. We can move past Let's it. Let's talk about you. And, of course, Got that's it. why you feel this way. Mm. Can I share a quick story? Oh, please. please. I just was thinking about, because we were talking about hate mail or whatever that we got. And this is the worst thing, I think. One of the worst things that, that's ever happened. Oh. And it was in the very early days of my radio career. I was at WCKY, Buckeye Country, mm. in Ohio. And it was mu- absolutely within my first year there. And, by the way... Um, nobody trains you how to be a personality. Mm, right. Like, espe- uh, I had a conversation with a, co- a college classmate of mine. First of all, our college classes taught us nothing no. to be prepared for radio, a career in radio. I'm glad I have my college education. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. It helped me in way other ways. Yeah. But for my radio career, it taught me almost nothing except no. how to type well in, like, broadcast font. You good type of girl. You are. So anyway, and how to do like a 60-second ad and a 30-second ad. And I wish some of our salespeople would take that class. Uh, anyway, that's more. That's not really for people now because they do their own thing. But like people in Panama City, they would write us ads to read. And I'd be girl. like, girl, you just put like 8 million words into what's supposed to be a 30. Mm. Ain't happening. No. Anyway, so nobody teaches you the personality aspect of it. And when I say that, I mean, yes, like they teach you how to push the buttons and sort of deliver in the way that you're supposed to on the air. And all of it is more like on-air training. When you have to go out and host an event, that's a completely different arena. Mm -hmm. And no one had ever given me any guidance. And, I mean, I know how to talk to people. I'm (laughs) a good people person because I'm a people pleaser. But that sometimes got in the way of me being a good personality Mm. because I was trying to make everybody happy all at once. It was very overwhelming. I think it was. I was at a bowling alley for some reason, hosting some event at a bowling alley, and um, I was by myself as I usually was for these events. They were just like, "Oh, go do your thing." I'm like, "What thing?" Uh-huh. And I had to make announcements. I had to do a prize giveaway. I had to please the client, which was the bowling alley, and make sure they were catered to. I had people that were there. I didn't have, like, a following or anything. I was just a jock on the station. Nobody knew who I was yet. But I had to, like, I had people that were there that I was trying to, like, glad hand and be nice to and take pictures with in case, like, they might want a picture for the radio station being there. It was a lot. And like I said, it was one of my first events that I had ever done. So I was in the middle of it. The owner of the bowling alley kept waving me down to try to get me to come where he was because he had some notes. Oh, and don't forget, I was broadcasting. Mm. And back in the day, remotes were different. Like, we had to set up a whole tower. Mm. We had to do the, uh, what did, what, I can't remember. The Marty. The Marty! Mm-hmm. And Marty unit. I had to get the Marty out to, like, fiddle with the knobs to make sure it shot the signal back. And, it was like, basically like a minor antenna for wherever you are that would shoot back to the radio station. Yes, and it was like a whole contraption that you had to set up. It was a whole the piece heck? of broadcast equipment. Yeah. Where now and, it's just a small box. Oh, pretty much. That's wireless. And most of the like most of the stuff we do now, like we record it and we set it back to the station and then they air it. Mm-hmm. This was live. So mm-hmm. I had to keep my eye on the station to see like what time is my break airing. I'm gonna I don't miss it. Right. It'll be dead air. And so it was a mess. I was very stressed out. And at some point, and I do remember this, a mom and her daughter came over and they were like, Hey, we want to get a picture with you. And I was like, I would love to. Give me one second. And so, because at at that moment, the owner was waving me down. I'm like, okay, give me one second, because I can't imagine what would have happened if I'm like, hold on, bro. Let me do a, a quick selfie. So I was like, give me two seconds, okay? So I ran to see the, what the owner wanted. Then I needed to do my break. So I went over and did my break. And then I tried to find the mom and the daughter, and I couldn't. Couldn't no. find them afterward. This woman oh, wrote the most scathing email to my boss who said, and it said, I don't remember exactly, but the gist of it was, this is a horrendous woman who snubbed my daughter and I, a child. She was too busy being a personality. She is, all, like, it. the wording and the tone, and it, you would have thought that I stabbed this little girl in the eyeball. <laughs> oh, ah! my, my God, gosh. When he read that email to me, 
I started crying immediately ah. because it, it felt so unfair. Like, I mm. would never, ever purposely ignore someone, let yeah. alone a kid. Right. I wasn't even a known personality at that time. And then I was like, but she didn't. And obviously, this was a, a lesson because, like, they nobody sees what else you're going through. They just know that they had a bad experience with you. It mm. was devastating. And then to top it all off, oh. my boss goes, I'm going to have to write you up. <gasps> what the Oh, so God. then I just cried even harder. And he's like, I'm sorry. It's a really bad complaint letter. We have to put it in your file. We're just going to write you up. So don't do that anymore. He wrote you up like they're supposed yeah. to have your back. This is the environment in which I grew up in radio. Like I'm uh, friends with him now. We're like really close friends. But for the first two years that I worked there. That was Dave? Dave. We were, we were enemies for the first two years that we worked there. He fucking hated me because he was like, this is some flippant college girl that I have to train. I was like the Scotty of the time when I didn't like know a lot of stuff. And I was mm-hmm. like excited, but he was having none of it. And he's like, this mm. is obnoxious and annoying. We were, it was oh, not up? good. Mm. So I got written up. It was, and I just, I wanted to share that story. I feel like I've never even shared that story No, before. I don't. How, clap. This is probably the first story <laughs> That I that is clap. new from back in the day that you haven't heard in like probably like five years. Yeah. Like I'm impressed. I've never heard that story before. I almost want to text Dave and be like, "Do you remember this?" And he probably would say no because right. he probably doesn't. But it was devastating to me. And I did that yeah, when you were talking there. about getting um, an email like that. I I felt myself get like mm. about it because it was it just felt so all every part of it felt wrong like i just i hated myself mm. hated and so oh. i really tried hard to be like the best person but as someone who is slightly introverted and shy in real life mm-hmm. and gets overwhelmed with meeting new people and big crowds and stuff it took a long time for me to figure out how to handle and host events right. it took a long time it, i really i i didn't want to let anybody down though i think that's one of the hardest things about this business is and, and if you're in a business that isn't like a process type business where it's like if you're a teller at a bank, like there are times you can get creative if you're trying to help or f- solve a problem. But like for your day to day things, it's like it's a very like A to B, B to C, you know, it makes sense. But if you're in a more like creative field, if you're like doing video or social media or something like that, where everything is sort of subjective and you sort of create your own path it can be very difficult when you're coming up because everybody wants you to learn their way and how they do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be hard and frustrating because, like, you can be so excited and you just want to be there and do it, but then you're trying to live your life and there's a lot of sacrifices you have to make. Like, I remember my first big... um, There were sort of, like, two moments where there was one where I had to learn how to organize my work and delegate and not get overwhelmed Mm -hmm. um and it was a guy it was my my second program director uh russ who now works for the kid craddock show in dallas Mm -hmm. and um he was my boss and we had a very difficult year because that was like my first full-time year because he was like one of my bosses then i had our other operations manager john weatherby oh big bag of doorknobs no that was bill edwards oh sorry (laughs) yeah that was that that was was, yeah that was the uh host of savannah's morning news yeah john weatherby was the uh, meteorologist uh for all of our stations and on wtoc in savannah um, which I think he's still there now. Uh, but Russ and I, like, he was young, and I was, like, brand, brand new. It doesn't help when your manager is young. Exactly. And you're younger, but mm-hmm. they don't really know. Because he was only two years older than me. Yeah, and, like, he was in – Russ was still learning how to be a manager himself. Mm-hmm. And I just remember they had us on, like – and not just him, but, like, the company at the time – like, I was, you had to, like, clock in and clock out. It was, like, one of those, not just, like, get your work done and leave. It was a clock in, clock out. Yeah. And I had a second job because they didn't pay me a lot. Uh. And so uh, I was trying to, like, finish all my work to get ready to go. And he was like, well, what about the the thing that you were supposed to finish to send to the people? And I was like, well, I, I didn't get to it today. And I just remember, because for me, it's not the words. It's the look and the energy. Oh, it's the tone. It's all of that extra stuff. And I just remember he gave me this look like, why the fuck did we even hire you? Like, why are you here? Are you not that good enough that you can't capable? And I just remember being on, like, my hand was on the door to leave the radio station. And he had popped his head out to ask me if I'd finished it. And I just remember, I was like, no, Russ, I didn't. And then tears just started coming down my face. And I was just like, 
I don't know if I'm meant to do this job. I just clearly, I'm not good enough. Yeah. But it's like when you're brand new, that's why I always tell college kids, that first year when you get out of school, no matter what you're doing, it's going to suck because you've never been faced with the pressure like you are in whatever job it is you're doing because now with perspective, I understand where Russ was coming from because he probably got blowback because that job wasn't done and he was frustrated that I didn't get it done. But I was just like, well, I didn't get it done today, so I'll do it tomorrow. But that's when I learned about you got to prioritize and time mm. management and all that stuff. Um, Second story was um, I sort of like Scott in that year, I was producing a morning show on our conservative news talk station for Bill Edwards, Big Bag of Doorknobs. Big Bag of Doorknobs. Uh, he, whenever he was on the air and get frustrated, he would say, Big Bag of Doorknobs. And I was always <laughs> like, good God, I love you, Bill Edwards. Okay. Um, oh, jeez. But I had to be there at 5.30 and start getting all of his news clips ready and all that stuff. And then I would run his audio board for him. And I did the traffic reports. Well, at that time, I was still like one foot in college um, for Georgia Southern and then one foot in the working world. And so my friends that were still seniors would come down and visit during the week sometime. And so I would stay up late. We would drink wine. We'd nice. have fun. And there was like one night where I was like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'm young. I can wake up. That's what you always think. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't wake up. Yeah. And then I woke up. It was like 6.15 and the show started at 6.00. And it was John Weatherby, and he'd called me like five or ten times. And I finally picked up, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And he was like, take your time, don't hit a tree, and get here. And so then I got there, and he had that look, because he was he's like a father figure almost. Like, he's probably like six, seven, like oh, tie, geez. like glasses, big, big uh, facial hair. And he just looked down at me. It was like, are you taking this job seriously? Do you know that there are thousands of listeners that are depending upon what you do for Bill Edwards? And he started his show not having anything ready. And that caused a chain reaction of things that went bad. Mm. You've got to pre-think what you do. And I was like, okay. Right? Is that the way you're okay. like? So then I went to the bathroom. I cried it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've never been late for a show since then. Not once, because I just remember that feeling of not only did I let Bill Edwards down, but I let all of his listeners that have listened to him for like 20 or 30 years down because they had I had clawed my way to that full time position and I wasn't prepared. So that's why I'm so big about having my shit together, being prepared, because I never want to feel that like ugh moment in the pit of my stomach. Have you had any of those moments yet, Scott? A little bit. I have a weird perspective on stuff like that. Like the one thing I think of like that is I think like everybody's just they're gonna be all right. But like I don't I don't want to go too deep into like that thought process because I'm going through a transition in how I view anything right now in general with life and work. But I haven't had too many serious moments like that. I haven't effed up too much. I've I have a different relationship with like our big boss, like boss man Will, than y'all do, which is cool because like he, you know, when I have all these jobs that I'm doing and I start to let one slack, like now it's at a point where it's like. I feel that wrath from him a little bit where it's like, hey, like we hired you. You're supposed to do these jobs. Like, let's get it done. Like no more, you know, putzing around and getting it done. And, you know, it, it it's happening. It's getting done. But I haven't, I'm trying to think if I've effed up too many times. Like I've done things. If but you can't remember. It would stick out. Yeah, yeah no, know. I haven't. You'd feel it in your soul. But like mm -hmm. management style, like I'm very thankful for like even here or y'all because the management style is very much different than obviously the stories that y'all are sharing in which I'm forever thankful for because I would not, and we've talked about this before on the podcast where it's like I would not learn if you just come down on me. Like I, like you could yell at me and scream at me and do all those things, but in my mind, like you just lost your respect now. Now it's like, now you're just that person. We're not friends. We're not work family, anything like that. It's kind of like a, to me, like that's just, that's my defiance in me. Like, it's like, I'm just going to be like, all right, fuck you. Like, I'll get it done. But you know what? Any relationship that we had that I wanted to learn from you or grow from you, like it's gone. Yeah. Because I don't respect that. I don't respect, I don't think that, you know, I think there's a better way to do it. And I learn better when it's like you take the step to understand why things happen. And I've talked, you know, before both to like Miguel and Holly about this and also our boss man, Will, of just like, you have to explain to me specifically, and many other people, I think a majority of people, of why. What is happening here? What is the outline factor that I could connect to instead of just being like, get this fucking thing done? 
I'm be like, well, okay, it's not a priority right now because I don't know why it's so important. I have other things I know why I have to get them done. You haven't explained exactly what this like role really means. And as soon as that's connected, then I'm like, all right, prioritized. I get it now. Or the bigger thing is when somebody understands, like, let's say if I did fuck up and they want to come with that next step to be like, what's actually going on? Instead of just coming down on me and being like, yo, you F this up. Like, you suck. You know, you shouldn't be here. Whatever. Like, again, like that's when you're going to lose respect for me because there could be a thousand things going on in my life. And that's where it's like, for me, that's where I take myself out of the, like, the job situation. Maybe react however you want, but it's like we have to take a, a reality check to realize that sometimes we need to care about each other and ourselves more than the job. Like the job, it's at the end of the day, it's a job. And I kind of associate it with like if, you know, this is going to get real really quick. If I died right now and like let's say I was going through some shit, like yeah, like people would be sad. Company would be sad. There might be a little talk, an email that goes out. But like I'm going to be replaced in like three months. And so like I need to feel like you genuinely care about me and like actually want to care about what's going on in my life before just being like, well, fuck you, you suck. And so, luckily, that's been the case here. Like, I haven't had many people, like, come down hard and never try to understand, like, the deeper level of, like, hey, like, let's talk this out. Like, that was one of the coolest moments, honestly, whether Bossman Will knows it or not, when he really got real with me. He's like, look, like, you are going to go through things in these next couple months as you're transitioning into a full-time position. I want to make sure your mental health is okay. And for him to say that, like, I don't know if I could, like, even put it into words, but that meant so much because I was like, damn. Thanks, because I'm going through the ringer right now, and this sucks, and I still haven't fully transitioned to feeling comfortable right now. And at least it gives me a little comfort to bring it up with him when I do feel like I'm going a little nuts in my head. Mm -hmm. And that might be the next conversation I have with him because I'm still struggling right now to transition into everything. It's very difficult. It doesn't happen easily. It's no, very it's hard rocky right now. for everybody. It is. It like takes a minute. Like we've been saying, it, mm. we know. Yeah, and so for him to say that was such a cool management leader style where I was like, thank you. Whether, you know, and I truly believe he meant it because it's something that's kind of been preached for a while now. But that's the style where I'm like, I want to work for you now. I want to get things done because you're going to look out for me for those deeper things. Not just the work that's going to get done, but for my well-being. Now I'm motivated to get it done. Luckily, that's been the case since I've started working here and with y'all too. I'm curious, you said that you are under or trying to, uh, I don't I don't remember the phrasing you said, but your relationship to work is changing or yeah, well, I what just, do you I, mean? I, I don't know. I don't know how far I want to speak into it because I don't want to say things that I like either sound off or like, mm. I don't know. I'm You're not place, prepared to talk about it? Like I could talk about it because I like to talk to my friends about it and y'all are my friends and the listeners are my friends. Like, I view work now, it kind of relates back to the whole fact of what I just said. Like, if I died right now, like, it would suck, it would be sad, people would talk about it for a little bit, but I would get replaced. And, you know... Well, we work in radio, you wouldn't be, it would, they would just be like, all right. Be like, well, yeah, guys, no. yeah. hope you can <laughs> do what's too bad. Good it. luck without them. <laughs> but I think the reality is, it's like, I do not, I don't know how I want to go about my career in life anymore. Like, I don't know, like, how I'm going about making sure, like, I could... I could honestly be in this radio station all day. I could, like, literally, with the things that I have to do, I could do all day, every day. And people have. And people have. But that's where, and, like, the transition right now is, like, I was so fired up to do that. But then I started looking at life, and I was like, what the fuck? I'm 24. I do not want to be in my 30s, even in the next stage, and be like, oh, great. I got rid of those years and didn't get to do things as what I'm doing now. And I know I push myself to the limit where it's like, maybe I'm a little more tired, but I'm getting out and I'm socializing with friends who I might not see in a year. Or I'm going out late nights and having these socialized events where it's like, I am in a state where I'm just so, and I've talked about this before, where I'm in fear of missing out on these experiences. I'm, I think there's a difference between experiencing life and just going through the moments of life and just step by step. And that's my fear. And that I directly associates with my mom and watching my mom go through life. And this is something that she always taught me because I hated watching her go through work and just work. Work, 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 work. And she finally started to get the concept of living at the very end of her life where I remember calling her and she was going out to like Disney randomly with friends. She had a job. Like my mom got fired from her job and it sucked. But the one beautiful thing that came out of it is she started doing things for herself that she absolutely loved. And I haven't seen my mom that happy in so long. And I'm so happy. Those are the last couple memories I have about her because that taught me as much as I love this career and I want to climb the ladder and I want to really just change the game and be able to influence others in a positive light. I want to make sure that I'm doing it in a way that I'm able to experience life. And that's the thing. I literally talked to my therapist about this yesterday. I've, like, really got to narrow down what that is. Like, how does that look? 
You know, I know my love is to speak and to influence and to be a positive light for others. What is that going to look like? Is it is it radio? Is it speaking? Is it traveling and speaking? Is it vlogging? I don't know, but I got to really dive back into that because what I don't want to have happen is I get so burnt out of just like feeling like I'm just going, going, going into a job and not understanding, again, the why behind why I'm doing it. And so my reality check is like I feel lost right now because I want to give as much as I can to this career and I'm forever grateful for the opportunity to step before me. But I do know that if I go at it too much that I'm going to miss out on a lot of opportunities that I will later there like resent my career for. Well, here's a couple things. Um, one, one of the things that I'm learning now being 35 is that you will have several different phases to your life. And it feels like now at 24, you've got to like do it all now and you've got to have <laughs> all the answers, but you don't. Yeah. Like focus on what's in front of you now and be the best at it that you can. And then when you feel like, you know what? I think I'm ready for the next thing. Then you move on to the next thing. Because then you face the, um, you could potentially be like, all right, there are all these things I want to do, I want to do, I want to do, I want to do. And then, like, you never do anything because you're trying to do all of them. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're like, all right, you know what? For the next two years, I'm focusing on this. And then after it, once I get to, whatever level that is, and you'll know. You'll know when you get to a point when sort of like we just talked about on the show with Ellen, with her talk show, where she's like, this isn't a challenge anymore. She's making $80 million a year. Everything is probably done for her. She comes in, she does it, and then she goes home to a beautiful palatial estate. Mm -hmm. But it's not challenging for her. And you'll know because that happened to me when we were in Panama City the second time, where after that first year, first year and a half, I was like, all right, I'm good. I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever's next. I'm ready. You just know, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah. to me, I've learned I'm just going to put my head down and focus on what is in front of me right now. Also, real quick, what you're just talking about is really interesting. I, I, there was a, I love a good meme. And this is a quote actually from Oprah that I posted on my Insta earlier this week. Intention is ruling your life, whether or not you're aware. It's law. It is one with cause and effect, and you can't have action or reaction without it. In order to step into the most powerful version of yourself, you need to have clarity of intention. You need to know not just what you want, but why you want it. Mm -hmm. That's great, but all that stuff is really difficult for most people. Right, but... Have you spent time thinking about it? Yeah, I think, and that's the thing. I think, like, I think about someone like our former, former boss who is now a life coach. Yes. And this is, like, what he does because mm -hmm. he, he like, basically takes what Oprah just said mm -hmm. but is, like, I know that's a lot. Here's how it could make sense for you. Right, because you have to, like, put it into action. You have to put it in action and you have to understand that, like, because most people, I feel like most people are just sort of blindly searching for their purpose and they don't know because they've been fed this bill of you work, you work hard, you get to this point, then the next point, then you do this, then that, and then you're good. But you're not good because when did anybody stop and ask you what you like to do, mm -hmm. what brings you joy? And so I think that people, more people need to understand how to work with intention. And that comes from knowing who you are. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who I was most of my life. I mean, I'm going to be 40. And until a couple of years ago, I had no idea who I was. And I didn't know that I didn't know who I was. Mm. That's the, that's the catch 22. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to know who you are, but how do you know that you don't know who you are if you just don't know. Right. It's a little bit of a paradox clusterfuck. But that's the thing. But then you also change. You can definitely change. You definitely. And, and, and learn yourself. I right. think mo I think it starts off by learning yourself, mm -hmm. asking yourself, why do I do the things that I do? The why mm -hmm. is a good uh, start starting place. Why do I do what I do? And if it's not for a reason that is because I want to, if it's a reason that, you should or so-and-so thinks or it has to be you. So I think that's a good way to start into what you said because what you read sounds 
beautiful, mm-hmm. but it can almost be too heady for someone who doesn't even know who they are. Absolutely. And that's why I feel like you've, when I say you, I mean all of us, mm. have to ask yourself, what is it that you want out of life? And that's what I've asked Abe, my fiance, a lot of times, because he's one of those people that hasn't sat down and spent a lot of time being like, who is Abe? Right. What do I want? Well, not many, not all, no. maybe not many. Maybe, because know you don't many, have time. You don't have time to but do it's like that. like one of the most important questions in my eyes that you could ask yourself. Yes. Right. Like, again, like it all goes back to like, and I, I know I word vomited a lot of my thought, but that's why I was kind of like, ooh, do I want to talk about it? But that's the thought behind it. It's like, what do I want this life to be of? Because, you know, it, it. I know it's like, yes, young, we're all young actually in this room, like still many years to go, but. The more that you put it off, the more time that goes by. And next thing you know, it's like your capability to do certain things that you might want to do now is not going to be there forever. And I always like to kind of give the – and I know there's outliers that people will be able to still do things. But I always like to look at it like let's just say I wanted to climb a freaking mountain. Like when I'm, you know, 60 and I still want to do it and I have never done it, probably not going to be able to climb that mountain like I could right now. Right. There are Whatever that mountain in life may be. There are some things that do require, you know, being younger. Right. Or older. It's true. Mm, yeah, I, I, yeah. It's just that's the transition where I am right now, where I'm like I'm reevaluating because I got here because I know exactly I knew exactly what my why was, and I still have my why. It's just now discovering like how do I want to go about that why, mm-hmm. and changing like the next layer of like how and the what. So it's kind of like all that. It's just it's interesting. Like I, t- I told my therapist this yesterday. I feel like I'm in a new transition. Like I was in one when I was like 19 and now I'm in a new one when I'm in 24 and just understanding like, again, it's a constant question I ask myself. Like, what do I want this life to be made of? Because I don't want to look back on it and be like, dag nabbit. Missed out on that one. Hope you said dag nabbit. I probably yes. will. I'll be 85 saying dag nabbit. Yeah. Yes. And always do check-ins because I always remember what uh, Angela, our life coach slash morning show coach, was talking about when the boat gets off course, it happens real slow. Mm-hmm. It happens real slow. And if you, maybe it's been a while since you checked in with your truest self to figure out, wait a minute, let's take a look around and let's kind of do a little body check because people change. Is this still where I want to be? Mm. Is this even where I wanted to be in the first place? Did I somehow get off course because you like turn a boat wheel by like one degree, suddenly you end up in a completely different area than you mm-hmm. were trying to go to. So... It's good to do little check-ins with yourself every now and then. It is. I was just telling Holly the other day uh, off the air that I feel like the past year and a half, probably two years, but then especially in the past year uh, since uh, George Floyd and then all of the social justice issues that I've just really just sort of dived into just systemic racism and the history of our country and the more things that I uncover, just the more angry it makes me and the more upset it makes me and the more sad it makes me that I can now put sort of facts to what I've always felt. Mm. And I've talked probably three years ago about when my my, uh, mom was sick or my grandmother was sick and just how they don't have any life savings. They don't have any retirement plans. They are truly dependent upon, you know, what the government gives you from Medicare or whatever it is um, and Social Security and stuff like that. And I used to be like, it's just so uh, unfortunate that that's the way our system is set up, but I couldn't really, like, talk about it in a factual way. But now that I've sort of dug down deep into, like, what's happened and why it is, and it's just so crystal clear how the system was set up, I want to do something about it. Mm. And that's what I, I'm a doer. I'm not a doer. I I said, I am a doer and I want to do something about it. And so I feel like my purpose is changing because for the past 35 years, my entire existence has been, I want to do a morning show. I want to make people laugh. I want to make people feel good in the morning. And now I feel that it's changing and I want to help. I want to do something about the way that the system is set up and it's like I keep feeling clues from the universe sort of leading me into that uh, direction. Mm-hmm. And even just the other day, Scott, you and I and Abe were talking about um, some money stuff. And you were saying how, mm-hmm. you know, after your mom uh, passed that, you know, you've been granted, you know, from her, like these financial situations that will put you in a better place for the future. 
um, in Abe's parents, literally from like his mom had some money that passed down that they're helping us out with some stuff. And I'm like, and we had that conversation. I got really quiet. I noticed. And I was just like, that's that's the system working. That, you know, your mom, her mom, Abe's parents, his parents had these opportunities in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s to build this generational wealth. Yes. And they were able to help you with these things. And I'm like, that really fucking sucks. And now, granted, yes, there are lots of white people who are like, well, I don't have that. Right. I, ain't a, nothing passed a, down to me. A difference, like, and especially it's very geographically telling. Right. Absolutely. The poor white community. Absolutely. So I'm not saying, this isn't a, a blanket statement. I'm just saying most of the time, the opportunities that were given to white people back then to build wealth, to pass down to future generations, were not given to black people. And I'm very thankful that I've had the opportunity and the whatever it is to be able to beat that and to build my own, not wealth, it don't feel, it's not wealth, but I'm getting there, I'm working on it, I'm trying. Yeah. And I want to give back. And so there are things in my mind that I'm like, this is what I want to do with the money and the wealth, hopefully that will come one day, Mm. that I can leave behind and help those behind me because the system has just been set up for so long to be so unfair. Yes. And I just, injustice just, just fucking infuriates me. And so the only way that I can do it is to help and to be an organizer and to make a difference. And so like, that's how I'm feeling like my, my why, my intention is starting Mm. to change now. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm like, all right, now I got some time to figure out how do I do it? Sort of like way back when I was in high school and I was like, I want to be on a morning radio show. How do I do it? Yeah. And I had to figure it out. And so now I can feel myself saying, all right, let's start working on how do we make this happen? Yeah. I feel the same about that shifting um, reason why. Because I think we, when you get into radio, when you start any career in your uh, teens and 20s, that is the reason for your why is from your teens and 20s. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, the reason why it's, it's I started off in this business because a I wanted to be famous. <laughs> Radio was like the YouTube back in the day, right? right? Like there weren't you didn't have online video capabilities. You could go be a VJ on MTV. Yes, which uh, I wanted to audition for. I did also. I also also wanted to audition. <laughs> Um, but the radio seemed like the only local avenue to go be famous. Like why? Why did I want to be famous? Because mm. I wanted people to like me. Mm. Because, again, at the core, I was a people pleaser that didn't know it. Right. So I wanted to be famous, A. And then, B, I wanted to um, I wanted to make people laugh. I've always been that person that wants to brighten the room, like make people feel better. So that yeah. seemed like a good converging. And eventually it stopped being about famous because I was like, okay, I'm busy with radio. I ain't got time for all that nonsense. And plus, it's like really it's difficult for me to talk to people sometimes. So that's an issue. But the the making people smile... And, like, helping people, that's always been the core besides that stint of really wanting to be famous as a young person. Um, But as I came up through the radio system, it became clearer that my purpose, and I always said, always, and I, I probably said this up until a few years ago, I'm in my dream job because my dream job is to put a smile on people's face and to help them and to make people feel better. Mm. And radio, for me... Uh, a morning show and radio, not just as a jock. To me, I was like, I need more time. We we need more content. Um, was to to do exactly that, and that's what we did. Mm-hmm. In fact, we crafted our show, Miguel, to to do exactly that. And our it original felt like, mission statement. Yes, it felt like the heavens came together, and we. I was like, I am helping people. Like you just said, you wanted to put smiles on people's faces. We were living that dream, and mm-hmm. we did that, and then we did that well for years, and like. There comes a time in in your life, and I feel like this may be like the midlife crisis type thing. Um, Maybe. I don't really know. It's a turning point of sorts where your focus has kind of changed a little bit. Mine is still the need to help people. But that fulfillment comes less from the entirety of the show on the air. Like our show on the air absolutely does help people, and it still fulfills what I want to make my purpose. Um. But after the last few years of 
me sort of diving into mental health, but also figuring out who I am, mm. which came with me going to therapy. Mm-hmm. And I've always been an empath. Like, I've always been a feeler. I can feel things. And so that also came with being a people pleaser, growing up codependent to my mom, where I had to, like, I would try to regulate my mood to make sure she was okay. Mm. So it wasn't healthy, but what it did was fine-tune my um, sense of feeling for others, combine it with my natural empathic abilities, and I can actually understand people deeper, Mm. even if I don't know them that well. Right. It's a little weird. I kind of consider it my superpower secretly. Mm -hmm. So having built on all that, figuring out who I am, um, still having the desire to help others, but knowing more now, instead of just blindly being like, blown off makes people laugh. Mm. It's not quite cutting it. Right. Like, I want to still do that, obviously. Right. Um, and I want to still satisfy those people's um, desire to hear blown off or whatever the case may be. Whatever we do, crazy hijinks on the radio. I still love headphone karaoke because I get to, like, <laughs> satisfy my dancer, you know, stage show hog in mm-hmm. the in, every week we do it. So I love all those things. But kind of like you said, there's this weird tugging, like a calling that is there. Right. And it has stopped being sporadic and it's now more consistent mm-hmm. where I'm like, will this always be the best way for me to help people and, and satisfy that? And I think that's what's great about this vehicle and this platform of the podcast, of the show, of being able to explore those things. Yes. And being able to do all of that. And we do it in little bits and being able to you know, I was very happy last year when the company, our company, Cox Media Group, it's now uh, an official day we get off is Juneteenth. Yes, that it, was really cool. It was really cool. And we got to talk about it on the air. And those are things five years ago, they would have been like, girl, unless you ain't talking about, unless you were talking about Ariana Grande or Post Malone, ain't nobody care. Right. But now they're like, they're, we want to understand more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there are ways to do it. And so this is what's great and what you should do listening in your own life is to constantly check in with yourself and Mm -hmm. to say, is what I'm doing feeding it? And listen, there are lots of times in your life when you just got to get a paycheck. So I'm not saying if you have a job and you're like, God, I hate my job. Don't just quit your job. Do it until you can find that thing that feeds you and makes you feel good and makes you feel like you are contributing to society and you're fulfilling whatever it is that you are supposed to do on this earth. Your divine purpose. Yes. Keep doing and keep searching for that mm-hmm. and doing it. Mm. I Good like talk. that. Good talk. Good talk. Good Scott, times. what's your information? At Scott Tavlin. S-C-O-T-T-T-A-V-L-I-N. Any final thoughts? No. <laughs> no? Yeah. No, I'm good. You sure? Yep. Holly? Radio Holly on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Miguel Fuller, M-I-G-U-E-L-F-U-L-L-E-R. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all the places. Make sure to leave us a review, please, on the uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen. Leave us a nice rating. And, of course, always, if you want some Miguel and Holly swag, just shoot me an email, Miguel at Hot1015TampaBay.com. Bye, Platypus Posse. Catch up up with the previous episodes of the Miguel and Holly Uncensored Podcast from Hot 101.5. Just hit up the Hot 101.5 app, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Search Miguel and Holly Uncensored. Uncensored.